If you'd like to turn with me to the scriptures, we're going to read from Numbers chapter 7. And Pew Bibles, that's page 141. In the book of Numbers, chapter 7. And we're going to read the first 17 verses. Let us hear God's word. When Moses finished setting up the tabernacle, he anointed it and consecrated it and all its furnishings. He also anointed and consecrated the altar and all its utensils. Then the leaders of Israel, the heads of families who were the tribal leaders in charge of those who were counted, made offerings. They brought as their gifts before the Lord six covered carts and twelve oxen, an ox from each leader and a cart from every two. These they presented before the tabernacle. The Lord said to Moses, accept these from them, that they may be used in the work at the tent of meeting. Give them to the Levites as each man's work requires. So Moses took the carts and oxen and gave them to the Levites. He gave two carts and four oxen to the Gershonites as their work required. And he gave four carts and eight oxen to the Merorites, as their work required. They were all under the direction of Ithamar, son of Aaron, the priest. But Moses did not give any to the Kohathites, because they were to carry on their shoulders the holy things for which they were responsible. When the altar was anointed, the leaders brought their offerings for its dedication and presented them before the altar. For the Lord had said to Moses, each day one leader is to bring his offering for the dedication of the altar. The one who brought his offering on the first day was Nashon, son of Aminadab, of the tribe of Judah. His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels, one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering. One gold dish weighing ten shekels filled with incense. One young bull, one ram, and one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering. One male goat for a sin offering. And two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old to be sacrificed as a fellowship or a peace offering. This was the offering of Nashon, son of Aminadabab. And then from verse 18 on, we have a repeat of the other 11 tribes Each tribe brought exactly the same. And then as we come near the end of the chapter, verse 84, we read, These were the offerings of the Israelite leaders for the dedication of the altar when it was anointed, twelve silver plates, twelve silver sprinkling bowls, and twelve gold dishes. Each silver plate weighed 130 shekels, each sprinkling bowl 70 shekels, Altogether, the silver dishes weighed 2,400 shekels, according to the sanctuary shekel. The 12 gold dishes filled with incense weighed 10 shekels each, according to the sanctuary shekel. Altogether, the gold dishes weighed 120 shekels. The total number of animals for the burnt offering came to 12 young bulls, 12 rams, 12 male lambs a year old, together with their grain offering. 12 male goats were used for the sin offering. The total number of animals for the sacrifice of the fellowship or the peace offering came to 24 oxen, 60 rams, 60 male goats, and 60 male lambs a year old. These were the offerings for the dedication of the altar after it was anointed. 
When Moses entered the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from between the two cherubim above the atonement cover on the Ark of the Testimony, and he spoke with him. And may God add his blessing to his word. Now, you'll be quite glad I didn't read the whole chapter. It's actually the second longest chapter in the Bible after Psalm 119. But it's quite repetitive because each tribe brought exactly the same gifts, but we will come back to that. So we're today looking at the theme of offerings, and in a sense, this is a kind of a companion sermon to the one I'm going to do next week as we look at at, at celebrating uh, the offerings that we have brought thus far to clear off the debt. But I want to draw back a little bit from Numbers chapter 7, first of all, and look at the theme of giving in general. We're coming very close to Christmas, as we all know, and I'm sure every family goes through the same experience as we do. Uh, There's usually one or two folks in your extended family, and they have everything that they seem to need. And this conversation goes on, what are we going to get so-and-so? She seems to have everything she needs. We're we're really struggling. Uh, And so what you might do is you might ask them, and you might say, you know, Aunt Margaret, what would you like for Christmas? Kind of spoils the surprise a bit, but, you know, maybe she'll say, I don't need anything. And if you're a man, you say, great, okay. If you're a woman, you say, you know, well, we have to get you something, we have to get you something. Uh, And so this kind of debate goes on a bit longer. But we've all got those kind of people, and, and, and incidentally, if any of you are trying to think, what are you going to get me for Christmas? I don't need anything. Okay, just, just in case you were thinking that, Rowan gives me a, a thumbs up. But what do you get God? What do you get the one who has everything, who has no lack, who has no need? In the Psalms, in Psalm 50, this question arose, and God answers it. In Psalm 50, in verse 9, he says to Israel, The Lord says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens. For every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? That's a rhetorical question, and the answer is no. So here we have God who has everything that he needs. So why should we bring him an offering? Why should we bring him a gift? That's the question. Now, in the psalm itself, in the next two verses, it actually answers that question. In verse 14, it says, Sacrifice, thank offerings to God, and fulfill your vows to the Most High. Call on me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. So, although God is not needy, He still says to us, I want you to bring gifts and sacrifices and offerings. So how do we we marry up those two things? How do we get out of that conundrum? God says, I need nothing, but he says, but I still want you to bring gifts 
offerings and tithes. Well, I think there are three reasons why God wants us to give to him, three basic reasons. The first reason is in verse 14 of Psalm 50. Sacrifice, thank offerings to God. In other words, it is simply to say, thank you. From when you were a young child, you're always taught by your parents, if someone gives you a gift, whether it's expected or whether it's unexpected, you say, thank you. It's polite. It's good order. So it is with God. God has given us so much. He's given us food. He's given us clothing. He's given us nice houses to stay in. He's given us so much. And supremely, he has given us his son. He has saved us through giving us his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Now, when Israel was set apart by God, they were chosen by God even though they had no merit, they had no distinctiveness, they had nothing special about them. It was God's grace. He set his grace upon them. And so Israel had this spirit of thankfulness. Lord, why why should you choose us? Thank you, Lord, for all your goodness. Thank you for using us to be a light to the nations. Sometimes people think that grace begins in the New Testament, but it doesn't. It begins in the Old Testament with Abraham and Isaac and and Jacob and the covenant that God made with Israel. That is all of grace. Grace is in the Old Testament. He chose a nation who had no merit, no distinctiveness, nothing good about them really. That's grace. And so Israel was to have this attitude of gratitude. And all the more so now under Moses in Numbers chapter 7, because the children of Israel are are realizing that they have been released from Egypt. They've, They've been set free. They're no longer in captivity. How much more should they say, thank you, God, for what you have done in our lives? Chosen by grace, freed from Egypt. So we bring a thank offering to God. That's very simply the first reason why we give. It's to say thank you. The second basic reason why we bring tithes and offerings and gifts and sacrifices to God is also in that verse in Psalm 50 verse 14, where God says, fulfill your vows to the Most High. In other words, we are called out of love to be obedient. We say thank you, but also out of the obedience of our hearts, we want to show God that he is special to us for all that he has done for us. Whenever you're uh, married and, and you're standing in front of the minister or whatever, and you exchange vows, that is, those vows are exchanged out of a foundation of love, I assume. It's because you love the other person that you commit yourself to the vows. And when things get a bit rocky, you, you remind yourself of those vows. But they're on a foundation of love. It's, it, it's to show that you want to please the other person. And so it is with God. We have a covenant with him. We have a covenant. Jesus died for us. We want return. We want to say we love you. We want to obey you. We want to give you our hearts. And so our giving, although God doesn't need it, our giving is from an attitude of love. It shows the state of our hearts. It shows how much we love. Because 
loving someone, you want to show that through a very practical way. That's why we give gifts. It's to show that we love someone. And that is good. We back up our words with practical gifts. Giving is about our motivation. It's about fulfilling our obligation, our vows, our thankfulness to Jesus. One of the commentators on Psalm 50 writes this about Israel. Israel's problem, in the context of Psalm 50, Israel's problem was a failure of understanding regarding the true nature of sacrifice in Psalm 50. Israel is condemned not because they fail to offer sacrifices, because they were offering sacrifices, but because they seek to exploit in their abundant sacrifices a supposed need of God. Because Israel believed God needed her sacrifices, Israel believed God could be manipulated with no regard for the spiritual condition or intent of the offerer. Not so, says God. Sacrifice fills no lack in the Creator. Everything belongs to Him. No sacrifice is for the benefit of the offerer, the one who brings the offering. It is a reflection of the attitude and the motivation of the person bringing the gift. And when that is rightly given, it honors God and it brings blessing. So although God does not need our gifts, He doesn't need our money, He doesn't need our offerings and sacrifices, our giving is firstly to say thank you. Thank you for all you have done. Secondly, it is a response, a love response from the heart. It's saying, God, I love you so much. Show me your bank account and I will show you what you love. You look at my bank account and you will see from that what I love, what's important to me. It's a marker, it's an indicator of our heart condition. And then the third reason why we give is because it helps God to get the ministry done on earth. It helps us through our hands and feet and lips and all the stuff at our, our disposal to do the work of ministry. And we see all of these three things clearly in Numbers chapter 7. And I want to come back uh, to that third one because number 7 helps us really in this. But as we look at Numbers chapter 7, first of all, we see the thank you. The priests and the tribal leaders coming together and saying, what are we going to give? And so they have this discussion, they have this debate, and they decide over the 12 days, the next 12 days, 12 days of numbers rather than the 12 days of Christmas, over those 12 days, the tribal leaders are going to bring gifts to God. It's a thank you. God didn't command it. It was a thank you. And then secondly, all the gifts they brought were a sign of obedience from each of the tribes. The different tribes were of different sizes, but the tribal leaders agreed that each tribe is going to bring exactly the same. It is a symbolic thing. It is saying, God, each tribe wants to be equally obedient. Each tribe wants to say, we, we equally love you. So even though they were of different sizes, they brought the same gifts times 12. Now, the third reason why we give, and we see this very clearly, clearly in Numbers chapter 7, is that the, <clears throat> the tribal leaders began to think, now, what, what's needed? What, what practically is needed to do the work of ministry in the tabernacle? 
Thus, the people of Israel said, we will bring something that can transport the tent, that can transport the ark. And so they gave the oxen and the carts. God didn't need it, but they said, this is what we need practically to transport the tabernacle. In terms of the furnishings, there were silver furnishings and gold furnishings. There were grain sacrifices. There were rams, lambs, bulls. All these things were brought as offerings to God and for the Levites. Some of these sacrifices were to deal with sin. Some were to purify the worship space. Some were to show that Israel had obedient hearts. And some were meant to be, to be eaten, actually, in the presence of God as a fellowship offering. Now, for us, working in a New Testament context, so much of the sacrifices outlined in the Old Testament have been fulfilled in Christ. If you're like me, whenever I read through Numbers chapter 7, you're thinking to yourself, my goodness, I'm glad I don't have to bring rams, lambs, bulls, pigeons, whatever, as a sacrifice, because it's all fulfilled in Christ once and for all. How wonderful that is. And and sometimes it's good for our hearts to read through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Because we come to this realization that without the shedding of blood, there was no forgiveness of sin. But all that is now dealt with in Christ and how wonderful that is. And so our sacrifice today is a sacrifice of our lips, of praise as we sing and as we pray. And it is a sacrifice, according to Romans chapter 12, of our bodies as a living sacrifice. So it's not just on a Sunday, it's every day of every week of every month of every year. We bring to God a sacrifice of praise and of our bodies. And as part of that, we also bring the sacrifice of money, of gifts, because money gets things done. You will notice in that passage in Numbers, that money, in a sense, isn't mentioned. They were all items. They they had a value in terms of shekels, but they they were stuff. It was stuff that they gave. It was physical stuff. And therefore, we bring offerings today. We bring time. We bring talent, but we also bring tithe to facilitate ministry needs. And next week, we are going to be celebrating this building that that God has provided for us and through the giving of His people. A lot of ministry happens in this building, covering a variety of ages and stages, not just on a Sunday, but all through the week. It provides food and practical help for people both inside the congregation and outside the congregation. This church building is a discipleship station, it's a fellowship station, it's a teaching station, but it's also a mission station as we seek to love, serve, and reach, love, learn, serve, and reach into this community. Now, it's possible to do ministry, and many churches uh, sometimes just rent a building. They don't actually own a building. And the advantage of that, of course, is that a lot of money isn't going into the upkeep of the building. But the disadvantage of that kind of setup is that through the week, you can't really do ministry because other organizations and other businesses and so on are using the building. So there's a great flexibility in what we have here in this beautiful building and all that we have in it. And the dozens, and it literally is dozens of people that come through the doors every week. It is a great resource. And we are very mindful of this resource. So it's for 
care, teaching, preaching, learning, discipling, fellowshipping, but also mission as we reach out into this community. Now, a few months ago, I hinted that whenever we reach this stage, whenever we reach this stage of paying off, of clearing off the debt, folks who have been giving their money quite generously uh, over the past three years, either to the property fund, the little envelopes, or through a standing order allocation, what do we do now with that money? as we, over the next four weeks, will finish and clear off the debt completely. The question arises, what will I, what will you do with the money that you have been giving, given to that property fund? Well, let me suggest a couple of things that we can do. Uh, first of all, and especially if you're doing this by standing order, you need to, to talk to Danny Riddle. Uh, Danny is the one who is responsible for overseeing the allocations and, and dividing out the money as it's coming in. You need to tell Danny, okay, I had 50 pounds come, you know, each month maybe going standing order into property. Uh, I, I maybe continue to give 10 pounds a month in that property standing order. But the balance, the, the other 40 pounds, I will maybe give 10 to free will offering or maybe give 30 to, to mission. And that's what I'm suggesting that we do. Now, in these straightened days, you may decide, no, I, I, I can't afford. Once the building's cleared up, the debt's paid off, maybe I can't afford. I need to just keep that for myself. That, that's up to you. That's fine. But if you want to meaningfully give to ministry and ministry needs, what I am suggesting is that you divert your allocation towards mission. This week, the mission committee is coming to session and we're recommending that the mission budget be increased by at least 10% to go up from 90,000 to 100,000, at least. Because a lot of our missionaries, exactly the same as ourselves, are struggling probably more, actually, than we are. There, there isn't a mission agency that is not struggling at the minute. Many of them are really looking at the brink of collapse. So the more that we can do as a local congregation to help those who are in mission agencies and our own missionaries, I, I think that will be good. So what I'm encouraging folks to do before the end of December is to think about your allocation of that money that was coming to clear the debt. Now, we still do need some money to come into the property fund because the committee is looking at putting, uh, maybe installing solar panels on the roof which in the long term will help with energy costs, but that takes money. So we still need money in our property fund. We still need to do stuff, and always will do. Roofs need repair. There's always leaks somewhere. So don't kind of remove all your money from the property and say, oh, we're not going to give anything because it's useful. But do consider if you can and if you can afford it to give to mission, to help our missionaries, to help the mission agencies in the months and the years ahead. This is a good thing to do. And so that really is my, that's my application. That's my application point, just one point. Following the example of Numbers chapter seven, to give thanksgiving, to give to show the love in our hearts, but also to give where the need is greatest. And at the minute, that need is in mission, mission both overseas, but also mission locally. And as we do that, I believe that God will bless us 
And did you notice at the very end of chapter 7, it's almost as, a, as an afterthought, but it's a very important thing. It says, when Moses, after all the gifts are given, when Moses entered the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice. I firmly believe that if we are obedient and loving God through our gifts, through our money, through our tithes, we will hear the Lord and he will bless us. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you again for your word to our hearts. Uh, Father, forgive us when we have withheld from you, when we've withheld time, talent, gifts, offerings of money. Forgive us. Even though you don't need those things, they show the state of our hearts. So we pray your blessing. We, we look forward to next Sunday as we gather in an attitude of thanksgiving and celebration as we say thank you, God, for the clearance of that debt. But Lord, help us then to be led by your Spirit as we seek to give to others in mission, those who are poor, those who need help from us. Help us to have your heart. For your glory we pray. Amen.